Welcome to Serious Faith, a podcast exploring the gospel story by story to discover the way of Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to Serious Faith. We are here. We got some good stuff this week. So good, so good. We are in John chapter 20. Uh, we're nearing the end, folks, nearing the end. I know it's been a long journey through the book of John, over a year now. But we're in John chapter 20. We're getting started off, verses 1 through 10, and it says this. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloth lying there, and he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes laying there. Uh, he also saw the face, the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. So this is interesting. Um, <laughs> I love this piece. Uh, because we've talked a little bit on this podcast about there are moments where Jesus is like, it's almost like he's trying to say like, hey, look, I'm God. And like, right, he's doing these amazing things and he's very clearly God. And, uh, and, and then there are moments where Jesus is very clearly trying to say like, hey, look, I'm human still, <laughs> right? Like he has human moments. But what really gets me on this particular one is how human the disciples are, right? And so here's, here's what I mean by that. First of all, you've got Mary Magdalene. Uh, Mary Magdalene's coming to check on this tomb of Jesus, and she gets there, and her first instinct is to say they have taken his body, right? They've taken his body. She doesn't understand clearly what has happened here, and so she goes back to Simon Peter, and and I love the references here. It says she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. All right. The reason I love this is because we see the humanness of the disciples. And by that, I mean this. John here is writing about himself, right? Like the disciple who wrote this book is writing about himself and kind of pumping himself up a little bit, right? Like you've got, first of all, he's, he's referred to as the one whom Jesus loved, right? He's like, there's Simon Peter and then there's the one Jesus loved, right? But then, then, then this, this part is actually humorous to me. Like I chuckle as I read this. It says they were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. So John puts in his gospel. John thinks it's important to note that he outran Peter. <laughs> like John finds that as something to note. He says uh, the other disciple, meaning John, he, uh, he ran faster. He got there first. You know, you can almost see him like brushing off his shoulder, you know, like, yeah, I ran faster than Peter. What's interesting, though, is they get there and it says that John bent down and looked inside and he saw the clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter just busts right in there. It says he entered the tomb, saw the clothes lying there, saw the face cloth, and then the other disciple. And then, as if to emphasize, he says, then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, 
also went inside. <laughs> it's almost like John John is so pumping himself up right now. Right? He is so pumping himself up. And I wonder as I read this, you know, obviously this got included in scripture. Right? Like it wasn't like it wasn't like God looked at it and said, Okay, you're dumb. This doesn't matter. Let's just cut that part, right? It made it. It made it into scripture. <laughs> so John outruns Peter. He gets there first. And it says that uh, it says that he saw and believed, but they didn't understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. And so they went back to where they were staying. So it's interesting because the disciples, the disciples almost take this stance of like, they go to the tomb, and it's almost like they think to themselves, okay, well, that's interesting, yay. But they don't know what's happening, so they just go home. Right? They just go home. And we'll find out next week that, that Mary Magdalene sticks around. Right? Like, she's not sure what to do. She sticks around. She's she's upset. She's crying, you know. But the disciples are just like, huh, Jesus is gone. That's weird. And then they go home. <laughs> so this is one of those instances where I think to myself, you know, First of all, I think it's crucial here that, that they point out that Mary gets there first because the testimony of a woman in that time period was worth nothing. I mean, women women couldn't even testify in court. <laughs> so the fact that they would even put in here, right? Like if they were trying to lie and add credence and add credibility to what they the story they're telling, right? They're trying to to make something up. They're not going to put that Mary showed up first. Right? Because this is a humbling moment for the disciples. They weren't the first to go to Jesus' tomb and check on him. It was a woman. It was Mary Magdalene. And so it's interesting because I think this this points to... It adds to the credibility of the gospel. Because you don't find in the gospel where the disciples are trying to fake it to make themselves look better. Now, to be fair, does, does John... It, it does seem like John here overemphasizes the fact that he got there first, right? However, he still technically didn't get there first. He technically got there second because Mary Magdalene got there first. And that he doesn't gloss over. So I think it's important that Mary got there first because it adds credibility to this piece. If they were if they were trying to lie, they wouldn't have said Mary was there first. But the other thing I think it does is it demonstrates like two approaches of the disciples when things went wrong. Because according to what they thought should have happened with Jesus, things have gone horribly wrong here, right? Like Jesus has died and been put in a tomb and he's gone. And now to make it even worse, his body's been stolen, right? So the disciples' response, I, I, I'm a little confused, I think. Maybe confused isn't the right word. But it says that he saw and believed, but they didn't understand, right? It says they believed, but what did they believe, Right? Did they? Because it says they didn't understand that Jesus must rise from the dead. So maybe what it is is they didn't understand why, or they didn't understand that that Jesus had to. They just believe that he did. Does that make sense? Like I can believe that something happens without fully understanding why it had to happen, or understanding that it had to happen, that it was part of the plan. So it's almost like they believe that something has happened with Jesus, but they're not exactly sure what it is they believe. Like, what is it that we believe? They don't know. And so they just go home. <laughs> they just go home. And they wait for Jesus to seek him out, and thankfully for them, he does. 
But I'm struck here by the difference between the disciples, Peter and John, who are like inner circle disciples. These are the guys, right? These are the dudes. Their response when they didn't understand was to just go home. But Mary Magdalene, her response, my goodness, her response was, I'm going to stay and wait. Right? In the next verse, and in, 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 I'm going to talk about this now because I'm not going to talk about this, stress this next week. It says Mary stood outside near the tomb crying, and she stood there and waited. Like, she didn't know what to do, so she stood and waited. And I wonder sometimes if if we're in such a hurry in the church, in such a hurry, not just even in the church, but in our own lives, in our discipleship, and in our decision-making, we want answers, and we want them now, and we want the nice, clean, everything figured out right this second. And I wonder sometimes if the answer isn't to just wait. Right? And not just to go home and pretend like nothing's happened, kind of like the disciples are doing here, but to wait expectantly. Right? Like to wait as in when G when David writes in the Psalms that uh, he is waiting for the Lord. Waiting for David was not a like passive I do nothing. Waiting was something he actively did. Right? Waiting was spent in prayer and expectation and and it was not just an inactivity. So I wonder sometimes if if our response, you know, when we when we don't understand something, are we more like the disciples here, like Peter and John, who go, well, I don't get it, so they just go home. Or are we more like Mary, who didn't get it, so she stood and waited? She waited because surely something was going to happen, right? Surely somebody would come and explain what had happened. Surely somebody would know. How do we wait? Right? When we think about waiting on the Lord, do we wait actively? Like waiting as in wait as a verb? Or do we just go home and hope Jesus meets us? So maybe there's something in your life that you've been waiting on for a while. right? You've been waiting for this or that and, and you're not sure that you don't have an answer yet and you don't, you don't have clarity or you don't have a provision or whatever it is you're, whatever it is you're still needing. Maybe we don't have it. So how do you wait? Are you waiting in prayer? Are you waiting in worshiping? Are you waiting and standing and saying, Jesus, I'm going to be here till you show up? Or do you go home and we'll let Jesus do the work and let him find you? How do we wait? How do we wait? Think on it, and we'll be back next week.